Always wanting to be good. I call that being on. Let me play my part. Check two, hey. Check like, two. is that real? Did that happen? Like, the structure of your brain actually changes. And do you still feel that every day? And then it got time for guitars. Eating disorder, like, I didn't want to die. Tendencies. But I didn't want to live. Yeah. Girl. You gotta go in the hospital. You feel powerless because the body has a fear reaction. The opportunity to empower. No one can take away my power. I won't take myself out. Artists that are true like that, those are the ones that tend to like create change. When I was on Project Runway, the sound check guy was like, you know, because we would do like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Like that's how you would do sound check. Was this? <laughs> so there was some energy behind. Yep. It. And so um, the the morning of the second to last episode I was on, he says, uh, he's like, yeah, do your thing and to my my uh, roommate. Yeah. And I start singing from Buffy the Musical. And I was like, no! every single night, the same arrangement. And from across no! the room, he goes, I go out and fight the fight. And we look at each other. And he's like, are you a Buffy? Or sorry, are you a Scooby? And I was like, I am. And he's like, sound check's going to be fun now. Oh, and so every sound check I've from seen, then on, he made me sing. Man, I've seen, are you talking about the episode of Buffy that was a musical? I mm -hmm. watched that so many fucking times. It's perfect. And I'm super mad it was never made into a stage play. And, well, it was begging, especially with... Uh, Ross Whedon or Joss Whedon being like, I mean, that's kind of what he's born to musical do. nerd. Yeah, like how did you not? No, it was perfect. Maybe and it was Sarah so Michelle funny. Gellar wasn't and available because she was the. But hot you know what? It could have been. But I mean, they all sang their own parts. She was good. They, for not having any formal training, she was fine. Yeah, but we got levels. We got mics. Are we doing stuff? Do we have noise? Are we? Da -da 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 -da. So. Kelly Nicole Foundation amplified the sound of survivors. This podcast is not out yet, so these, my guests are like, what is this you're doing to me? <laughs> It'll be so much easier to do this when I can send someone five episodes and be like, do you want to be on this show? It's for my late wife, it's for this, it's for that, but it's also, there's lighthearted moments, even though the subject matter is extremely dark. It's like life, you know? It spans the, the, the emotional range of life, and, and it'll be so much easier than just people going... Yeah, can you send me the final edit? And I'm like, yeah, because I don't have enough to do. No, um, yeah, it's gonna be cool. So, 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 welcome to our new show. Hey, 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 Samantha Ray. <gasps> I love it. I love a rhyme. <laughs> and I love a high five. I was ready for you to say it's rye, bitch. Uh, no, I'm not bread. <laughs> I'm not bread. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was the greatest. I may be round and brown, ever. but I'm not bread. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So the reason I asked you to be on the program is because you have um, an interior view of the fashion industry mm. and also because of your interest in the foundation so far and you've got the album and this and that, it seemed like you were at least somewhat, if not deeply interested and touched by the cause. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So why don't we start out when I don't know what to ask people, I usually say, why did you say yes? <laughs> I mean... I think it's really important to talk about difficult things mm -hmm. and find the silver lining in them because mm. a lot more people deal with tough things, trauma, mental health issues, um, negativity and than people are willing to admit. And I think we're finally in a place in society where we're willing to 
like open up and talk about it. Mm. And I've been trying my best over the last few years to just be really honest. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like just kind of, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it feels like so much of life is an avatar and you have to put this fake smile on and go out and face the world. I call that being on. Being on. And and when do you get to be honest? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's amazing to me that you just made a personal decision and, and said, well, what was it like? Said what? Yeah. I. So it was, let's see, 2016. What year is it now? Yeah, so 2016. 2019 today. Right. Uh, 2016, I did a collection that was the realest collection I ever did. And it was when I finally opened up and started honestly talking about my struggle with depression. Really? And so it was called It Ego. And usually, I'm, I'm sure looking at my space, you can see a lot of colors, a lot of textures, a lot we of We should introduce stuff. you. If I had a brain, I would have introduced you before I started with That's the all right. We'll come back to your introduction. Deal. Finish your story. Well, <laughs> this is what I made for that collection. So I'm going to use words, and then you're going to tell me what it really is. I see a white thing that's partly see-through, which is also called sheer. Mm-hmm. That's all the fashion words I can give you. Oh, wait, wait, it's a gradient. It goes black to the bottom. Yep, this entire collection was black and white. Oh, interesting. And I played with texture, but that was it. What goes and under this? Because it's mostly see-through. It was like a high-waisted panty. So, Eek. yeah, it's fine. Models don't care. So it was about, <laughs> models don't care. No, um, <laughs> and this. Okay. So that's the back. Yeah. Um, so describe it. So the back of this one is supposed to look like angel wings used to be there. But it's a scar. Yeah. And this was kind of, um, it represented my fear of people perceiving me as a bad person hmm. and like just always wanting to be good mm-hmm. um, and trying my best to just be good and but worrying that I'm not good enough. And then this is that like feeling in your stomach where you're like, full of doubt and it's starting to make you feel heavy and sick. Um, A couple other pieces of mine are on loan right now. There's a dance company that did a a performance based on my work. Um, And so they're borrowing some of my pieces because they were asked to perform again. Mm -hmm. And one of them, it's this um, right here, it's dark on the shoulder where it's that feeling of the negative voices talking to you and telling, like lying to you, how depression is a liar. Like depression and anxiety are liars and Mm. they tell you all the worst things. They're just kind of always in your ear, but not honest. (laughs) That's fascinating. So let's back up now and uh, talk about who it is that you are. So Samantha Ray is. Hi. I'm a fashion designer from Minneapolis. I've been designing for 19 years. I started out as Blasphemy's Closet, doing Lolita clothes, which is really frilly stuff that's super modest <laughs> and cute and fun and all about like friendship and joy and youthfulness. And I felt kind of in a rut in about 2012 and I rebranded as my own name, Samantha Ray. And now I just kind of do whatever I want. So how do you get known in fashion? It's one of those careers that's like, oh wait, you know someone who does that? Like, yeah, I do. So I've been working at it. Like it, it was very different when I got into it, especially Minnesota is not really considered a fashion center, especially back when I started, which was 2000. Um, I did not have any mentors. I didn't have anywhere to go. There wasn't really 
as far as I knew, any schools locally. And I found out later there were. They just weren't advertising. Wow. So I didn't go to college till I was 25 for fashion. And I had started sewing when I was like 13. Um, I started making clothes for sale when I was 17. 16? 16. And I just tried to figure it out on my own. But... A lot of, it's just always been self-promotion, self-promotion, self-promotion. And just like, I'm going to leave this flyer at this boutique or this coffee shop. I'm going to make this website and hope for the best. And that was all before Etsy and eBay and, you know, oh, personal yeah. websites and all that stuff. And yeah. so, like, initially I was selling on, I think, like a GeoCities website. And then I was promoting myself on LiveJournal. <laughs> and that is so old-fashioned. We just lost the millennials. I, hey, look. <laughs> Look, according to, according to Wikipedia, I'm technically a millennial, but I'm the oldest. Of, I'm 38. Um, I prefer the Oregon Trail generation for the lost generation. When it was green on a black screen, there was oh. just like you shoot the buffalo. And 100%. It's so horrible. But like 79 through 83 is the lost generation. Sorry, 78. It's the lost generation. The lost? Yeah, because we're what? like we're technically the, the older ones are technically millennials i'm not how old are you uh, listen i'm old enough i'm 39 no. and i'm telling no, I know, you you're i do not, not relate you, no, no, to no. Them. you're 39 which means you are gen x you're the youngest of gen x okay i'm the oldest of millennial i gotcha but we our our little clump is considered the lost generation or the oregon child generation because we don't really we have more technology um education than uh, most Gen Xers, and we are digital, um, what is it, digital immigrants is what it's referred to as. Um, we came so to it later we, in life. We, f we had to figure it out and teach it to our parents, and then there's digital natives, which is what the millennials and Gen Z are. Gotcha. So, like, we had to figure it out because it was being figured out while we were growing up, and then yeah. they've just always had it. Gotcha. Yeah. So you started selling your your work for money nine years before you had formal education and so can i assume that it was just pure creative expression you weren't trying to imitate any you know th theories or things that you thought were the uh, right way to do it like so sort of my my guide. issue was like part of it was i was a black kid in an all-white town i uh you know most most black people go through puberty before white people and I went through puberty when I was in third grade. And so I had curves. And so even though I was skinny, I had curves as like a little middle schooler and everyone told me I was fat. And that was this very like kind of white idea of beauty. And so I, I started having body image issues from a very, very young age. And I, I wondered why things didn't fit me. And I was like, oh, it's because I'm obviously fat. But I realized it's because I had a woman's body on a teenager's body. And I really just wanted to look this specific way and those things were not available to me. So I started making things that could fit me in the way I wanted. Like all the other girls wanted to dress sexy and I didn't and I just wanted, I was, I was a goth kid. Yeah. <laughs> and I just, I wanted these kind of spooky things that were also really fun. Like I always joked that I was really spooky but I liked to laugh. So, <laughs> so I, was, I guess it would be called like a perky goth or a bubble goth. Um, and I just, I really liked this very specific aesthetic and that is a thing that did not exist and so i thought i'll just make it that's amazing and a lot of it has always been how can i feel good in my own body and most of what i do is sort of trying to figure out how to be just okay with myself 
And even at 38, I'm still struggling. Like mm. s every day I struggle with my body and myself and, you know, my weight. And why is it okay that my client is the same size as me and I view them as beautiful, but I don't feel the same way as about myself. Mm. And so a lot of it is self-reflection and like trying to figure out why my brain is wired the way it is. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So... I want to continue through the narrative of how you got to where you are today, but then I have a million questions about <laughs> beauty and body image and the fashion industry, and, and yeah. we can vilify them, or we can say for you it was an outlet, it was the opposite of, it was your escape from the body image issues, mm -hmm. and there's so many different perspectives on it. It's a lot um, more complicated than people think it is. Yeah. They just think it's, oh, the fashion industry wants you all to be skinny. Yeah. And it's like, well, n the entire fashion industry is not Karl Lagerfeld. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's the one that I saw a thing in him. He's outspoken about it, like, period, no. point blank. I don't want bigger people wearing my uh -huh. stuff. And there's been, like, Abercrombie and different stores that mm -hmm. have been, like, we just flat out do not want um, bigger people wearing our stuff. And it's not always, like, ooh, you know, we're fighting heart disease. They're just dicks. Oh, 100%. Because I get the medical, and I've challenged people in the eating disorder community, like, mm -hmm. hey, let's, let's, not, let's not take an extreme position on that either because there's childhood diabetes and there's all these other concerns. Let's find the middle ground and think about public health. But then there's people that are just like bullies. In the end, when you're looking at comment sections on Facebook and they're like, <laughs> what about health? And that person's unhealthy. They don't care. They'll never see that person in real life. They're hiding behind health when they really mean, I am sick of looking at fat people. Hmm. It's, it's body hate hidden behind this idea that everyone should be healthy, you know, quote, quote, healthy. Yeah. And they don't care. It's, it's this idea that, like, you know, people are against gayness, but really they just don't like the idea of imagining, you know, same-sex partners. It's icky. Yeah. And when you ask them, they think about just gay men and not gay women. It's, it's this whole, like, weird idea of, what do I think is icky? How mm -hmm. can I find a way to explain it away and yeah. make it go away? Religion? Health? Yeah. I don't know. But it's all wrong and I don't want to think about it. So right. let's just shove it over there and like put it in this gross bubble. And there's people who, who do care. Like in my nine to five, I'm in med device. So I know that like there, there are communities of people who are like desperate to change the way we do, you know, treat our bodies, which would, would change a lot of things in our health but at the same time that's not the bully in the comment section mm -mm. you know that's someone else who's doing it for a living and they're their cardiologist or whatever yeah and absolutely. i'm open to that conversation i just want them to understand what an eating disorder is a hundred percent i just think that there's there's common ground and absolutely so many people these days are stuck in their tribe and they won't talk to anyone they disagree with mm -hmm. so i think that a lot of people won't care about eating disorders as long as there are people who are like well what did i read today on reddit um some people are living their best life at 700 pounds, and I just kind of, my heart broke. I'll just admit it, like, my, my heart broke for anyone who thinks that way. But at the same time, could I sit down and look them in the eye and have a conversation and say, listen, we disagree, but can we talk about the real reason that person is 700 pounds? Can well, we talk about food at, addiction or anything? But even, you know, there are people who, like, they might <clears throat> weigh 700 pounds and eat healthy, but they have mobility issues or they have chronic pain, and so they can't move. Or, you know, so there's um, one of my castmates, and she is far, far from 700 pounds, obviously, but she's, she's short and she's plus size and her doctors for years were like, you need to eat better, you need to exercise. She swims all the time and she's a vegetarian. Mm -hmm. And finally they found out that she had fibroids. They didn't even check. Wow. So 
a lot of issues with black women particularly is you need to work out. You need to eat better. And they are even, you know, one of my closest friends who I consider an adopted little sister, um, she has kidney failure and heart disease. She's had a congenital heart defect, you know, her whole life and Mm -hmm. she's in kidney failure. And they're like, you need to eat better and exercise. It's because you're, it's because you're plus size. And they're like, no, it's because I have a heart defect. And finally it took, it took them being in kidney failure for them to go, Oh, I guess we're just being fat phobic here. I guess we're just on you for being, you know, they, they're probably, they were a size 18, 20 Mm -hmm. and lost a bunch of weight because of kidney failure and not like, and they're, they were more active before the kidney failure. Right. And, the, you know, people have been like, wow, you look great. And they're like, thanks. I have <laughs> kidney failure. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm sick. <laughs> yeah, okay, Appreciate cool, it. gross. Like, it's, it's this idea that um, if you are plus size, you have, you know, uh, no willpower. Um, if you are obese you automatically have disordered eating. And it's like, that's, that's not always the case, mm-hmm. but if you are plus size and you have disordered eating, you need the same support yes. as someone who is very thin and has disordered eating. And that's where there is, uh, in the medical community for sure, there's some hypocrisy because I've heard of people getting turned down by the, the payers, right? The, uh, the insurance companies, they'll take the underweight, but they won't take the overweight. Absolutely. It's like, isn't that a human being fighting for their life? They do not see it that way. And yeah. it's because there's so much fat phobia in the medical industry. And that just breaks my heart. Like, I mean, I've been, I'd say two thirds of my adult life have been overweight. And forever they've said that it was, be, you know, all of my health problems are because of my weight. And I was like, you know, I was skinny growing up and okay. I had asthma and I'm plus size now and I still have asthma my weight is not what's causing my asthma. I've always had asthma. Yeah. So, like, you can't just assume that the weight is the issue. Get the music behind the mission. Hate Becoming by Kelly Nicole on iTunes and Spotify. If you guys haven't checked out the merch table, join the movement. Buy the album. Get your Kelly Nicole band merch and donate what you can at kellynicolefoundation.org. Courage is from Amplified!